Well, welcome to my next community podcast, Jack Reardon Radio. These episodes are focused on important issues affecting people living and working locally. You can listen to my podcasts in all the usual places, such as Apple and Spotify. And today, as we navigate through our third national lockdown, we're looking at the vaccine rollout and the huge efforts behind it, as well as the immense pressure COVID is placing on our local hospitals and the incredible work the team are doing under these circumstances. Today I'm joined by Tracy Bullock, uh, the Chief Executive of the University Hospital North Midlands NHS Trust, which runs the Royal Stoke, and the Chief Nurse as well there, Michelle. Tracy, first, what are we going through in terms of the situation? Can you tell us some of the pressures that you are facing? Morning, Jack. Uh, Well, it's been incredibly challenging um, at this moment in time. Uh, This is our third surge of COVID now since it started in March, and on each of those surges, the volume of patients that we've had who are COVID positive has significantly increased. And we are seeing more than double uh, the number of patients that we saw from the outset of COVID. Um, that's had a, a, a follow-on impact in terms of the numbers of patients that are admitted to our critical care unit who are extremely poorly with COVID. And uh, again, um, along with the increasing numbers in the general beds, we've seen an increasing number of patients being admitted to our critical care unit. And over the last few days, we have had to significantly increase the amount of critical care capacity that we have. And we've increased that by 200 percent. How many patients would you usually have in critical care? So uh, it isn't ultimately a straightforward question. So adult critical care beds, we have about 35, but then we have critical care spaces for cardiothoracic surgery and for surgery as well, and then for paediatric intensive care. So what I would say is that all of those spaces, uh, by and large, have been diverted now to provide adult critical care capacity. So where we would normally have for general critical care, about 35 beds, Um, we've gone up to as high as 80. Mm. And what sort of impact is that having on on your staff? So obviously this is extremely challenging for the staff and I know Michelle will probably come in and tell you about some of the things that we've done to try to shore up the staffing if you like. But obviously in a critical care environment what we know is that nurses usually care for patients on a one-to-one basis When you increase um, your critical care beds to the extent that we've had to, uh, you can't always achieve that. And sometimes we have been to one to two and sometimes um, one to three. And as a result of that, uh, we have needed additional support to support those critical care nurses. One of the things that we did do as well, I mentioned our paediatric intensive care unit. At this moment in time, our paediatric intensive care unit has seven adult critical care patients on it. So our our paediatric intensive care staff have also stepped up to the mark to support um, the need for adults. I'm just going to bring Michelle in now, if you don't mind, to talk a little bit more about how the staff have responded to that and some of the measures that they've gone to. Sure, thank you for that, Tracy. And the first thing to say is, yesterday I went on to the um, paediatric intensive care unit to um, to have a chat with um, the nurses on there to see how they are, because these are essentially paediatric nurses and doctors, not just nurses, and therapists and the pharmacists that work on there. Um, And they're used to looking after sort of small people. And it was quite clear from the seven um, adult patients they had on there yesterday that these, you know, aren't small people. They were really sick um, adults. Talking to the nurses 
staff in particular, they just take it in their stride. I mean, they are absolute stars um, in everybody's eyes. They, they just look at it as if it's part of their job and they're just getting on with it. They're tired, you know, they've been doing this for a long time, um, but actually um, they've got a really good support mechanism between each other. They're really close as a team, as are the critical care adult teams. And um, so they support each other really well, as well as being supported through sort of the management and the public and people have been really um, fabulous for um, for our crit care teams as well. Um, I spoke to the patients on there, so there's two ladies on there that are recovering, still really sick, um, but um, that are recovering. And one of them um, said to me that, um, you know, I wouldn't be alive if it wasn't for your nurses. And to be honest, it's true, it was hugely emotional. I, I mean, I'm quite, I'll trace it to tell you, I'm quite emotional. Um, anyway, I cry at the uh, the smallest things, but this I had goggles on and they were honestly almost half full um, with uh, with tears by the end of the discussion. So but they, 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 they really um, are super, um, you know, really are, are stepping up. With regard to what Tracy's described about um, putting additional staff in, we've had lots of offers. So everybody wants to help, wants to be part of this, wants to do their bit. So as an organisation, you know, we've had finance staff and HR staff that have gone to work on wards and gone to answer phones or sit with patients, give teas out, give coffees out. People that have never been in a ward or a department environment before have stepped up to help here. And in critical care, we've had our junior doctors in there. We've had staff from our local authorities that are in there um, and just people from outpatients or everywhere anybody that um, is able to help has wanted to help to an extent and um, we need to be really supportive of them and make sure we're not throwing too many people in there because it could end up you know like a very busy market day some some days <laughs> yeah. um, in there so um, and we put training in and supporting to help them and um, but they um They've really, the whole organisation and I have to say the wider community has really stepped up to help. But they are tired, Jack, and I would say that, mm. you know, speaking to them, and you see this on, on the national news as well as locally, that there, there are tears in there. You know, they are seeing things that are really difficult and hard and having to manage situations that even the most trained and experienced nurses and doctors have struggled with. So, yeah, mm. I think, you know, to, to be absolutely honest, and Tracy and I as nurses, our hearts go out to them and we're as visible as we can be um, offering sort of support and you know they have wobble rooms and they have you know sort of extra tea and coffee and they have psychological support if that's required combined health trust have, have been really good and given us all of those things but still you know they're having to turn up and, and do this for 12 hours a day and, it, and it's really hard not just the PPE but you know, not having any visitors for most of the patients and, you know, all of those things. It's, it's, it's tough. It really is. No, I think, as you say, everybody's doing an absolutely amazing job and often doing things that they wouldn't ordinarily be having to do. And, you know, I think people really have stepped up to the mark, haven't they, in, in terms of supporting the efforts and coming together as, as a whole team, really. But in yeah. terms of, you know, the ev every day, what, what sort of things would uh, you know a nurse be facing in terms of a normal day at the moment 
So a normal day, I mean, a normal day in crit care is slightly different to if you're a normal day, um, a nurse on a ward. But the things that, that are the same is that generally most of our um, nursing staff choose to do long days. So they'll do a 12 and a half hour shift, either a day shift or a night shift. And when they come on in the morning, um, they take a handover from the night staff, understand the position of what's happening with all of the patients, they put the appropriate PPE on. So we've got loads of PPE and depending on what area you work in depends on the amount of PPE you need to wear. Obviously, if you're in critical care, um, you're stepped up to the highest um, amount um, of PPE. So they would have that on and then they take over the care of, of the patients that they've been allocated for that shift and do you know, depending on, as I say, which area, do pretty much everything that is required for the patient. It's not just the nursing staff, there's a whole team around our patients that are, you know, as I said, physios and OTs and healthcare's and porters and everybody. So and the, the, the typical day is a long one. If you're wearing full PPE, it's hard work. Um, we do really make sure that staff get regular breaks so that they can come out of the way and take their sort of um, their masks off to have a drink of tea or whatever it is. And so, so generally they have very busy days and are tired at the end of it, but they, they keep coming back because no, they're sure. committed and really dedicated people. And that's whether you work on an older people's ward in an outpatients department or in critical care, they're all, they're all dedicated. Mm, I think no, the absolutely. only other thing that I would add to that, Jack, is um, obviously what we've had to do is, is divert many of our wards to treat COVID patients. So historically, we, would, we, we are not doing um, as much surgery, planned surgery as we were previously. So some of our, our surgical wards are now dealing with um, COVID patients, which are generally medical and have respiratory conditions. So again, a big change for some of our nurses is that instead of looking after the cohort of patients that they would usually do, such as surgery, uh, they're looking after patients with respiratory illnesses as well. Um, yeah, and point. all that comes with that, the ventilation, the well, non-invasive ventilation, the CPAP and things like that, that they would be giving um, on a ward. And what is your message to people needing treatment, both urgent and non-urgent at this time? So basically what I would say is the NHS is absolutely open. Despite the pressures, despite uh, the challenges that we are all facing, uh, we are still a major trauma centre. We are still accepting major traumas. Our um, accident and emergency department is very much open. Uh, we have segregated that. You know, there's two pathways, one for COVID patients or potential COVID patients, and another one for what we would say are green patients, um, uh, non-COVID patients, so as people will be safe. Uh, when they come to the emergency department, but we are very, very much open. And credit to um, the staff in the organisation that despite um, these challenges and despite the significant numbers of COVID patients that we have, we are still managing to do cancer surgery. Um, not all of it and not as much as we would normally do, but we absolutely day by day look at how many we can possibly do and, and squeeze through along with everything else. Obviously, that becomes more challenging if some of those cancer patients or major surgeries require critical care because that is one of the issues. No, thank you for that. And just back to Michelle, in terms of after everything that your colleagues are going through at the moment, what would you say to people directly about the need to stay home and, and follow the guidelines? 
Um, I, I would say exactly that, Jack. You need to stay home and follow the guidelines. So me and my family are doing that out of respect for the NHS and respect for you know our neighbours and, and families. And, and, and I, I, I can't see that there's any reason for anybody not, not to follow the guidelines at the moment. And I know, I know that there are you know, people out there that don't believe sort of what's happening but and, and I find it very strange you know I, I just I can't understand how they can see it face to face on the news and and still not understand the impact it's having if you look at the I know people seem to think that this is all about the over 80s and of course they are the most vulnerable but if you look across the the, the numbers of patients that we've got in the hospital at the moment there's certainly a, a really good mix of ages they definitely aren't all over 80s and you know you see it on the national news as well as we see it locally um, in our hospitals that we're having patients that are dying from COVID that are in their 40s and their 50s and they don't have comorbidities so you know even if even if you think that you are invincible and are not going to catch this yourself you could still have that and get you could still get it not have any symptoms to pass it to your nana and from my from my from my own personal you know sort of perspective the thought of you know, not following the rules, picking something up and taking it home and giving it to my mum, you know, or my grandma who, you know, will get really sick from this is, 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 is awful. So I would really, really, really ask people just to stick with this for a longer, there is a bit longer, there is light at the end of the tunnel and that we have to carry on um, until the numbers are down enough for, it, for this to be safe for everybody. No, absolutely. And totally agree with what you're saying there. I'm sure Tracy fully agrees with that as well. Yeah, absolutely. The hand space, space, stay at home. It's fairly basic stuff, um, but it is what's going to keep this under control. No, absolutely. And in terms of the light at the end of the tunnel, it's probably uh, important now to move about to talk a bit more about the vaccines. And we've seen some absolutely incredible efforts with rolling out the vaccine. So thank you for everything that's been done there. We're delivering over 200,000 vaccines a day at the moment, I think, which is highest of, of anywhere in Europe. Um, so in terms of the vaccine, which is giving us that glimmer of hope, tell us about how the rollout's going for you, Tracy. Uh, so really well, and I am going to hand over to Michelle here. Um, as much as we are both very engaged and involved in this, because we are both nurses, we are both vaccinated. I was going to say you've been doing some yourself, haven't yeah, you? Yes, so there's a little bit of competition between us, let's say, uh, <laughs> of which I'm winning, of course. Of course um, I have to let her win, Jack, that's why. I have to let her win, otherwise I'm never at the end of it. But what I would say is uh, Michelle's the executive lead for the vaccination programme, and she's been doing a sterling job so I would like to hand over to Michelle to to answer this one please. Oh, thanks. Thanks for that, Tracy. This this has been, I mean, honestly, this has been the whole last year has been so difficult for everybody. And for us in, in an exec position, having to try and encourage our teams and our staff to have some hope at the end of this. And the vaccine has done that. So the day that it, it came out and the day that we um, gave the first vaccine, we had our trust board. Um, and Tracy let me go off just to watch the first vaccine delivered. And it was again, I was at a complete emotional wreck as um one of our older um, older residents of, of Stoke came in and had his first vaccine. And since that time, we've just we've just got it bigger and better. And we've had a, just a 
unbelievable response of people that want to be vaccinators. So um, if you come and get your vaccine, you might get Tracy, you might get me, you might get the medical director, you might get a paediatrician, you might get an occupational therapist or a nurse or a pharmacist. We have, have been inundated internally and people are, are generally volunteering to do this. We have some people that are doing it as, as extra hours, but the vast majority of people are volunteering because they want to be involved and they, they feel it's the right thing to do. But the feeling in when you're doing vaccination, when you're in the actual hubs, it's just marvellous. I mean, it is just, I mean, Tracy's smiling thinking about it because you just, people come in and they're all, you know, chirpy, you know, which arm do you want? Come on, let's get on with this kind of thing. And, and, we've, and we've had a massive response. I mean, we've, we've done about 14,000 vaccinations now as, a, as an organisation. Wow. Um, we've done most of our staff, done about 11,000 of our staff. So we've now opened it up to, to all of our staff. We've been really supporting the um the community the health community with care homes and over 80s and contacting our over 80s that are coming into outpatients we've now gone on to um look at um, our inpatients and um who, who we can vaccinate that might be in a care home or or over 80 and also looking at the clinically vulnerable so those people that you know might have cancer or uh, might be waiting for treatment or you know have kidney failure or something like that so we just we're just moving on to those now but it is it is definitely light at the end of the tunnel people must if, if given the option of of having the vaccine you know tracy and i are fairly well we consider ourselves to be fairly normal um people so we haven't grown a second head or a third arm after having the first dose and you know we, we, we we're all right we don't think we're being tagged anywhere with all the facebook and everything else social media on i'm probably being tagged everywhere from that anyway so there is this um you know, there is this worry about it and, and we've seen a tiny um, amount of sort of um, reactions from people having the vaccine so and we've got lots of slots you know we've got plenty of capacity at the moment and, and we've got plenty of vaccines so if you're in the right um, cohort and um, those that are over 80s and you want to come up to Stoke or to County and um, then you know we've got some, we've got space for all frontline workers as well as the over 80s it's, it's it's been brilliant it really really has been a massive team effort and gives you some hope and faith in the world really yeah that's brilliant and for, for people who who are going up for their vaccine what's the sort of process they should expect when they when they arrive so when they arrive, what we're trying to do is to keep everybody social distanced. So we have set out particular time slots. So we ask people to come at their time slot, not a bit early, not a bit late. Otherwise, we we, we can get um, a bit of a queue going. Um, when people arrive, they are asked, to, we've got some reception staff who will ask them to complete a couple of forms. One's obviously a consent form to say they're happy to have the vaccine. And the other one really goes through a bit of medical history. Have you got any allergies? Are you worried about anything? And we have a chat with them about what this means. Once that form has been completed they're called in then to um the vaccinator room and when tracy and i do this together we we argue over who gets the next patient because we're desperate to beat each other as she's already said about the number of vaccines we've given so i'm clearly better than tracy at this but you can't say that to her very openly because she, she can't stand it so 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 we the patient will come into um the room the staff member the over 80 um we'll talk to them about the vaccine talk to them about what the common side effects might be might get an achy arm um, the day after some people have had a bit of a temperature usually everything's resolved within 48 hours um once that conversation has been um had and we check the consent form you know, which arm do they want to give it in normally if you you're right-handed you have it in your left arm vice versa we give them the vaccine um, give them some information to read and then we ask them to stay with us for 15 minutes after they've had the vaccine and really that's 
so we can observe that they aren't going to have a local reaction to the vaccine. So and they're, they're quite happy to have some sweets and um, a drink and, and wait 15 minutes and then off they go. And then they're contacted for the second vaccine appointment through a tech system. So if, if there is somebody a bit anxious about getting their job, what, what would you say to them? I'd say that these 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 tests um, these jabs have been tested on tens of thousands of people. We've done four million now um, across the country, over four million of the first vaccine, whether it's Pfizer or AZ or whichever one it is. And the, the, the amount of reactions that have been had are just tiny. So I'd actively encourage anybody um, to have the vaccine. It is a way of protecting ourselves and our family, our neighbours. And, and, and I really think that we'll benefit from it going forward. So I'd actively encourage people to do it. And if they are worried about it, they can talk to the GP or talk to the practice nurse, talk to the pharmacist, you know, find out a bit more information about it. But certainly I've sat with, you know, sort of lots of people, and I'm sure Tracy has as well, and um, before and, and talked to them about what their worries are, some sort of bit phobia about needles or, you know, what are they going to feel like after? I mean, I'm not but, very um, good with needles myself, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, well, it, but, but it's, it's, it's quick, it's easy, you don't have to look at it and it's done. So for, for, for a two-second jab, the protection that you'll get and that your family and friends will get is, you know, it's, it's, I don't like going to the dentist, but I go because I know I have to. And, they, and I think there is something that, you know, you just have to say, this is the right thing to do. And on this occasion, it, I really believe it is. Yeah, absolutely. And, and just finally, Tracy, what, what's the response been in the local community and, and locally? In terms of the vaccine, um, yeah. I think there's a lot of excitement. There's a lot of people who want the vaccine, are very anxious, very keen to get the vaccine. And obviously there are the um, PCNs now, the GPs who are setting up their hubs now. And we are seeing now as a result of that, a significant increase in the number of people being vaccinated. So hugely positive, uh, hugely grateful. And one of the things that I would add, um, COVID has been very, very challenging for the NHS. But in terms of my own personal well-being, being part of those vaccination hubs, the positivity and the reaction from people coming being vaccinated, the camaraderie between the vaccinators and just the, the actual knowing that you're doing something that's going to add such value to people has been absolutely um, outstanding for my own personal well-being and I think we've all said that Michelle said the same as well you know it's a sterling thing and people are incredibly grateful you know I, I started vaccinating my first, my first 80 year old lady last year and she started crying and I thought oh my goodness I've hurt her um, and, and, uh, and I said are you okay and she just said I'm ever so grateful I haven't been out of the house since March um, that you know and um, I'm just so grateful this is light at the end of the tunnel and, and it's, it's messages like that and it's hearing things like that um, and, and I've met some adorable people yeah uh, absolutely lovely people it's been a real pleasure to do and no, an organisation that's got eleven and a half thousand staff actually have met people that have not met before. Mm. So yeah. you know that that's been <laughs> that's been great as well to 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 be able to do that. I think, yeah. as you say, you know, people are, are just so eager and to get the vaccine as soon as yeah. possible. And you know, that's certainly what I've been seeing through my office. People are contacting me saying, "When can I get it?" And you know, you just have to try and say, you know, it'll be very soon and, and that sort of thing. But well, uh, when your time comes, Jack, Tracy or I would be absolutely delighted <laughs> um, to uh, to jab you. 
I'll be at the bottom of the list, I think. (laughs) We'll not take much of a run-up to you. Exactly. (laughs) We won't use a special needle for you at all, Jack, don't worry. (laughs) No, I'll definitely be uh, one of the the lowest ones, I think, given uh, age and whatever. (laughs) But uh, Anyway, thank you both so much for for speaking to me today and, and thank you to all health and care workers for everything that they're doing right now we can we can really never thank them enough for for their incredible work at the moment and i know it's been really challenging times so thank you to to all of them for everything that they're doing and and thank you all for joining us thank you